Let's spread a song so you can sing along with one special guest star too. For two, you like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone welcome back to another episode of life's but a song a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals i'm your host john and with me today is a returning guest and his co-host they are the hosts of hell is a musical it's scott curland and lils everyone Woo! what's up fox all right i'm leaving bye <laughs> finally that's, got lils that's, on the podcast that's just, that's that's just my that's just my catchphrase that's always been my catchphrase from the very start as far as your listeners know as you asked for the... her on. She is being unleashed onto this podcast. You know what? I'm I'm so excited because I have some questions as to for this topic. And it, it, yes, uh, but we're here, we're here today to talk about the is it, it's a film, not a documentary. I keep calling, wanting to call it a documentary. It, it's a it's film. A film. We're here today to talk about the 1984 film Stop Making Sense. The screenplay question mark is by. Jonathan Demi and the Talking Heads, music and lyrics by David Byrne, Chris Friends, Jerry Harrison, and Tina Weymouth. I hope I'm pronouncing Tina all Weymouth. Those. Weymouth. And I feel like that's it. I mean, there may be more writers involved You're in talking some of these like other someone songs. who's never heard Genius of Love in a dentist office before. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, this movie was directed by Jonathan Demme and according to IMDb considered by critics as the greatest concert film of all time the live performance was shot over the course of three nights at the Hollywood's Pantages Theater in December of 1983 and features Talking Heads most memorable songs um, is that IMDb? that is IMDb because ha- it's five nights oh see and on Wikipedia I was about to say there's four nights because there was three nights with an audience and then a night for just pickups and other things. And but I guess there that's... was a night before where like friends and family got to go. Got it. But yeah. but they also forgot to mention that this was a tie-in for the album that was coming out. The um, what album was it? Yes. Yes. But then this it was fe- also their last concert, too. Really? Yep. This was their final concert. Wow. Together. As a band. Yeah. yeah. As a band. Because I remember the review for this for uh Siskel and Ebert. And I think it was Roger Ebert is like, man, I can't wait to see the next Talking Heads concert because this really got me into them. And they never performed again. So I like to believe that they didn't want Roger Ebert like laming up their <laughs> their concerts. So I want to just go around. How did you hear about this first? This film? Lils, how did you hear about Stop Making Sense? Um, Well, I first heard about the album as opposed to the film because that was one of several albums that my parents would just blast endlessly when I was growing up. And that, Mm -hmm. along with a couple other uh, Talking Heads songs, most notably uh, my all-time favorite album, Fear of Music, really just sort of just really drove like my enjoyment for Talking Heads and David Byrne. No, I thought your favorite album was All Talking No Head. How dare you? That was their album that they did without David Byrne. It's terrible. It's awful. But they do have Ed Kowalczyk from Live. Uh, Scott, how did you hear about this film? So my dad, huge, you know, Springsteen, David Byrne, Talking Heads fan. Like, he loved all this type of music. So when... All Sour Puss Brian, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, music like this was my dad's wheelhouse. So I believe he had a mixtape that had the opening track of Psycho Killer, that version on it. And like we used to listen to that in car rides when we would go visit my grandmother in Albany and like once in a lifetime played all the time, like huge Talking Heads fan. And it's all my dad's fault. So So, not going to lie, never saw this before you guys picked it um however i've been re-watching gilmore girls and realized they mentioned this in that ep show <laughs> just by just by like characters being like let's watch this you know and i was like i was been re-watching it going oh oh i should yeah but i have to say i love this i was right. 
utterly enjoying myself. Um, it's amazing. And I, I didn't know, because going into it, I didn't know if it was going to be more of like a documentary of them being like, oh, we wrote about like a little more behind the scenes. But That's what the studio wanted. And David Byrne was like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Because they want they wanted like a spinal tap, it feels like. But not a well, mockumentary, like an actual documentary. With yeah, the they wanted an actual like, I would say like The Last Waltz or Woodstock. They wanted like that and Jonathan Demi wouldn't sign on unless it was everything David Byrne wanted and because he had basically carte blanche and he had could write his own blank checks they basically were like okay if we get Jonathan Demi you guys can do whatever you want and David Byrne's whole idea was to do basically tell the story of this busker who then becomes a huge celebrity it's telling a story that's what he wanted. He wanted. I get that. The, yeah. And then Tina Weymouth and Chris Franz decided to shit all over him. And they kept, they're like, no, it's the evolution of how, you know, a band becomes a family. And like you can see in interviews, David Byrne just goes, oh, no, that's not what, no, that's not what it is. <laughs> I mean, I could see both yeah. sides. I think this is just one of those things where it's like, it's just art. Take what with it what you will. Right, but like we should not take we should not forget to take away, if nothing else, from this whole thing that Chris France is kind of an enormous asshole. Yeah, he's a huge piece of shit. Like he's part of the he's the drummer. Okay, so him, him, and him and his wife Tina Weymouth are in the band. Right. He joined the band when David Byrne asked him if he would play drums years ago. And he's like, yeah, if my wife Tina can be in it. So the story goes, David Byrne was kind of an asshole and made her audition. But the rumor, the mythology is that he made her audition like once a year, which that turned out not to be true. It was just a rumor that they started. That Chris and Tina started or that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you start to realize the more you watch stuff about talking heads, it kind of seems like David Byrne was the genius and they were just there too. And Jerry Harrison was also a genius because he's still, uh, you know, excellent record producer. Yeah, he's he's kind of the only one that just comes out of it completely unscathed, really. Yeah, he was like friends with like both of them. Like he would go to like brunch with David and he's like, David Byrne would be like, oh, hey, how's Tina and Christian? Yeah, they're good. And then he would then go would, to dinner with them. With, he would go meet up with Chris France and he'd be like, what did you, what did he say about me? Yeah, pretty much. And Jerry's like, hi Just... to you too. Because, <laughs> <laughs> okay, in this movie, there is like a, a set look that everyone has, except for Chris, Chris France, France, who's oh, wearing a, a fucking teal, like, yeah. And it got me thinking, you know, if they film this over the course of multiple days, a week, if you will, at what point did he wear that teal shirt? First night. And they used majority of that then. Yeah. David Byrne wanted like all earth tones. So that way it would be easy to replace the shirt if it got ruined. So he picks the, the ugliest color, which is probably the most impossible in 1983 to track down. He looks like a pool table. He does look like a pool table. He looks like he just played a round of golf and then was like, oh, I got to go play drums now. And his wife dressed up. His wife, like, Tina Weymouth looks amazing in this movie. Like, yeah. all of her outfits are yeah. incredible. For one thing I also want to say, like, as long as we're, you know, shitting on Chris France. Of course. Like, I mean, both Chris France and Tina Weymouth were kind of jerks to David Byrne, like, in and out of Talking Heads. But, uh... Tina Weymouth in this movie is a fucking MVP. Like, yes. Through and through. Yeah, because she's, is she the, she's the second one who's introduced? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bassist. Yeah, yeah so yeah. when she comes out playing, oh, I can't remember who was, if the, if she was next or if the, uh, the guitarist was next. But Jerry, she, so it goes Tina. Tina. So it starts with David and the boombox. The fifth member of Talking Heads. I'm yeah. here for that unplugged-ish version of psycho killer yep it's amazing <laughs> and then it goes tina then jerry then chris then bernie and i think i, I think jerry comes after chris actually because the three oh. of them do uh yeah thank you for sending me an angel 
Okay, yeah. Okay, so switch that, reverse it. It's Chris, then Jerry, then Bernie, then Steve, then the rest. Yeah, flip, yeah. flip it, reverse it. Get all, uh, get all Missy Elliott on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird because Chris has a lot of uh, a lot of his shots are in that teal shirt until like the towards the end of the movie where he's where I guess he must have caved at some point during filming. I was like, fine, I'll wear a beige shirt. I I, I basically. Lilypad, do you want to do a little theater with me? Uh, you'll be you'll be Chris and I'll be Tina. I should have brought popcorn. Okay. Chris, can you I'm... just can you just change your shirt? No, I'm gonna do it. It'll be so great. No, no, you you're acting like I'm an gonna, asshole. I'm gonna stick to it. I am wearing the ugliest dress that looks like a fucking fan. Please just change your goddamn shirt. How much do you think I should shout during that one? During that one, do not shout. Song? I'm going to do it. It's going to be so cool. No, and no one's going to think I'm a dork at all. <clears throat> I swear to God. <laughs> I love you. So you forgot the boob. <laughs> boob. <laughs> Beep. So at, we, as we said, like this movie builds to build the band, which I really liked that they didn't try to hide that filmically. Mm-hmm. You know, like they actually shot them, the stagehands coming out. And I guess some of the stagehands were probably rolling their eyes too, being like, I guess I'll be on camera today. Uh, it was it was Jonathan Jemmy's like the, production the coolest, crew. So. The coolest part about that, I feel like, is that they got their own little ovation at the very end of the thing too. They were, the and, it, and it was great to see them. Like I did read that they, the reason why they, they filmed it over the course of a week is to hide cameras as best as possible even though yeah. there are cameras in some shots, but whatever, that's going to happen. Well, Demi was trying to also pull off the fact they didn't want you to see the audience until the last song. They wanted yeah. you to feel like the audience. They didn't want to cut to a shot of someone just being like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't need reaction shots. We did. Right. Yeah. But we did need it at the end when they sang Take Me to the River. Like, that's when it's like, yeah, okay, you can finally show the audience. And then you are the band. (laughs) Um, But I don't I'm just intrigued, like how they filmed this, because it does feel like, I guess, Jonathan Demi on film. Well, thank you. But like, you know, like the girls. (laughs) But I guess Jonathan Demi, like, really thought of it more as a film than a concert yeah he was riding high like jonathan demi as i said before he could do anything he wanted he made something wild he made swing shift like the world loved him as a director so for him to do this this like got him declared as like the next martin scorsese because this is the shit that martin scorsese was doing line it's the 1980s and the world has (laughs) jonathan demi fever I just picture him with like giant aviator sunglasses and a cigaretto. Not the cigaretto. Yep. <laughs> is, it, is it cigaretto or cigarillo? I think it's cigaretto. But but he also has from? the scarf and a fedora. No, I was going uh, to say beret. Oh beret, got it. Definitely a and beret. Jo- and jodpers. And and riding in riding riding pants. crop, <laughs> riding pants and riding crop. Oh my god! So being that this is the first time I've watched this, I just felt such joy. Yeah, through it. Um, I do. I realized I do know some of the Talking Heads music besides Psycho Killer. Um, oh, if if you've heard like a radio anywhere or in any department store, you had to have heard at least one Talking Head song. Yeah. Well, I didn't or- realize that they sang "Burning Down the House." I didn't really, and as like, a fan of the movie 13 going on 30. Uh-huh, of course, yes. Um, that's the song that Maddie plays that like pisses all the popular kids off. Of course, Mark <laughs> Ruffalo plays a talking head song to piss everyone off. But then, but then they play Genius of Love, which is the only non-talking head song. Technically, it is a talking head song because everyone except for David Byrne is in the Tom Tom Club. The Tom Tom Club is the side project. Okay. How New Order was the side project of the Joy Division. Like, got it. So, and I mean that was also there, so David Byrne can do his costume change into that big puffy massive suit. suit. The big puffy suit. Big puffy suit. Where, my God, that is 
when you said it, Scott, about that this his idea was a pauper, like a poor person to then this almost wealth, like yeah, like wealthier than the wealthiest, like that Nothing now makes says wealth sense. like a big puffy suit, big big puffy suit with the with the giant <laughs> shoulder pads and the wide legs and everything, and maybe as a I costume am... designer, what did you think? I mean, I was besides the teal shirt, I was here for everything. Because it made sense, you know. They even had the back, the backup singers in the I same color costumes. story. Yeah, yeah. I didn't clock how many outfits Tina had. Um, did she have three? She had three. Okay, they all they all kind of look the same. That was the idea. That's what David Byrne wanted, except for fucking Chris France, or as he should be known from here on out, Chris Farts. Chris I was Farts. about to say Chris Farts. Uh, but David Byrne, at least, he had the same outfit until the puffy suit, if I'm correct, remembering mm-hmm. correct. Like, the, taking on and off a jacket is one thing, but, like, he basically had the same look until... Even the suit was the same color as his other suit. Yes. But there's at one point, I wrote down that, uh, at one point he puts on glasses, and to me, he looked like Clark Kent. That were like the image of Clark Kent, you know? Yeah, when when they're doing Once in a Lifetime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why he's wearing glasses, but I'm here for it. I mean, I was going to say, if you've seen any like 80s or 90s movie trailer, you've heard the song Once in a Lifetime. Oh, no, that one, too. I wrote down. I know this one, too. Uh, it, it was in the trailer for Family Man. I, sure. That's the that's the Nicolas Cage movie where he's a rich guy and then he wishes that he ended up with the girl that he dated in high school. And then he wakes up on Christmas Day. Married to her. Married to her. Don Cheadle is his guardian angel. Yes, I think I remember. Yes, I remember this movie now. I did see this movie. Because I remember they used that song. I'm like, that's a little on the nose. This ain't my beautiful house. This ain't my beautiful wife. I'm I'm realizing that a lot of these song titles are not mentioned in in the lyrics of their respective songs. So that's where I I get a little confused because I'm just like, where are we? Especially, Especially... doing this podcast i like to have the song list in order um and and so sometimes i find it out of order so trying to figure out if i have it correctly is always a fun game and in this one i'm just like i'm going on blind luck that this is it (laughs) because i don't know what i don't i don't know that many talking head songs but i feel like i want this album do do i I have this album i have this album on vinyl do, I I saw that they re-released it because it turned forty this year. Yep. So happy birthday! Stop making sense. I so that's the first time I saw this movie is, um, I used to watch this show. Do you remember uh, coming attractions on E where they would just show movie trailers? <sighs> yes. So they showed the the re-release for this. You, you sound stopping. so pained to be remembering that. Because it's gone. That's Uh why. Yeah, it's called YouTube now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, they showed the trailer for Stop Making Sense. And as a kid, it scared me because I thought that David Byrne was being eaten by the puffy suit. I thought I didn't know it was a concert. (laughs) I thought it was like a horror movie about a man who builds a suit for his like act. And and my dad's like, okay, we're going to go see it. So you so you're not afraid of it. It's PG. So I don't I, want um, to see the Shrinking Man movie. <laughs> yeah, well, it was the same year as Thinner, so nope. like that's that's what uh, terrified me because the trailer for Thinner and then the trailer for Stop Making Sense. I'm like, oh no, he's a thinner. So my dad I took me to, but see also it. banger music. <laughs> yeah, my dad took me to see it at uh, the Tingsboro General Cinema, and I remember being floored, which is the same theater where I saw the re-release for this. Oh, that's nice. Yep. It's a fun little like (laughs) it's a fun little like full circle moment in your life. Yeah, that's why I did it. Yeah. But I I didn't have a full circle moment, though. I did see it at a really good uh, independent theater in Lowell. The Luna. I I was planning to watch this in in theaters, but I ran out of time. So I had to resort to finding it on some website before they pulled it like literally hours before they have like the whole thing available to watch on well yeah probably on youtube but like the first time i saw it it was on like archive.org 
It was on a channel of Prime that they were like, this this title is leaving in 17 hours. And I was like, fuck me. I need to watch this. It was, it was, it was probably the Criterion channel. No, it was like films stage some some bullshit one that you're like i don't know i've never heard of you before but okay i'll i'll do the seven day subscription and then immediately cancel it but uh honestly as a as a person who works in theater i really did appreciate this because like it's great that they were building the the set and the stage and like it starts off very bare bones i was hoping it would be built in the middle and then go back to being bare bones at the That's end. what they kind of did. They tried doing that. No, I feel like they just got more and more because once they started adding the projections of the words that I, mm-hmm. which song was that? That was, was that was that was once in a lifetime. Was it that? Yeah, because they also show butts in that one too. Got it. There was one though that there. That's the, right. There was just random. When I saw that in the theater, I went with my partner Susan, and uh, she chuckled. (laughs) Thumbs. I just don't understand what those words meant, though. Do you know? Do either of you know what why they chose those specific phrases and words and things like that? I think it was because it was the eighties and like capitalism and yuppieism. Like that's what he was commenting on. I wasn't sure if it was lyrics that I just blanked over what you didn't like the one that said drink coca-cola well that yes but there was there was other ones that i'm just like i don't understand what you're doing what you're saying what's going on here david byrne if only he's still in new york for american utopia did any of you see that i guess i guess no i saw i saw it on on hbo on max i have not even seen the movie i really should it's another filmed concert Mm mm-hmm Okay. Except he gets a different Academy Award winning director to direct this one. <laughs> guess, guess, guess who directs it? Okay, so Academy Award winning director Steven Spielberg. I know who directs it. That's my guess, Steven Spielberg. Because you're wrong. But... Uh, yeah, I I'm gonna keep. My, I'm gonna keep my trap shut and see if John guesses it. Oh my god. Um, how many guesses do I get? I get two more guesses. Let's say that. Um, yeah. Academy Award winning. The way that you make it sound like, I feel like it's somebody far-fetched like Quentin Tarantino. So that's my second guess. No, <laughs> but you're on the right. Tra- that tra- sounds like that would be insufferable. <laughs> but, and a lot of feet. And a lot Quentin- of feet. <laughs> well, sure. So Just then, Quentin Tar- Any Quentin Tarantino directed <laughs> concert film? God. But it won't count as his 10, so he could still do it and not retire. Whatever. Um, who's my third one? Um, Ridley Scott, Spike Lee. I should have known. I should have guessed that. I don't know why I didn't think that. It's a weird choice, but when you think about it, it makes sense. You're like, yeah, yeah. Because like, because everyone's like, why would Spike Lee make that? I'm like, have you not seen Twenty Fifth Hour? <laughs> like, but like, this is shot beautifully too. Thank you, Jonathan Demi, for that. I mean, Jonathan Demi has a certain look because. If you put this, if you take a still from this, a still from Silence of the Lambs and a still from Philadelphia and put them all together, it has that look. It has that darkness, but also a lightness to it, too. And there are three songs that are on the VHS and Laserdisc that are not available. Well, anywhere else. But if you get the deluxe album, the re-released, remastered album that came out like a couple of months ago, uh, they are on it. It's uh, Cities, Big Business, and I Zimbra. E Zimbra. E Zimbra. I'm sorry. I'm that, sorry. E Zimbra. And that that kind of disappoints me a little bit because two of those songs are from Fear of Music, which, as I previously discussed, favorite album of all time. How many How many albums have they had? Do they have Talking Heads? Not Not a whole lot. Not enough, in my opinion. But I think they have five or six. Right, Lils. Uh, from se- 79 to 88 is when they were releasing albums. Really? They Nine years? Eight, not counting Stop Making Sense, they have eight albums. I said six in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wait, does that does that include the, the best of the greatest hits from 88? No. Mm-hmm. I'm, okay. 
I'm explicitly talking about studio albums. Okay. Yeah. From 77 to 88. Wow. That's that's upsetting. <laughs> well, how they broke up is upsetting. Was it it was did it just implode like a lot of these bands do? Well, the way they tell it is David Byrne decided in 91 that he wanted to stop being in the band and stop working together, but it kind of the more we talk about it, it kind of seems like he was just tired of being bullied. Well, yeah. I mean, especially since Tina Weymouth and Wait Weymouth, I'm Weymouth. Weymouth. I and... mean, we only know how to say that, Johnny, because there is a a town in Massachusetts called Weymouth. Like that she's from? No. <laughs> uh and uh so I'm seeing that David Byrne, Tina Weymouth and Chris Bartz are the original members. Yep. With Jerry Harrison being the next one and the next and like the next longest running member. Yeah, it, it started with David Byrne, uh Tina Weymouth and Chris Farts and Jerry Harrison joined later. Yeah. Ooh. Depending on how depending on how you feel, some people might also consider like Adrian Ballou a member at one point. And if you're a real weirdo, you might consider Brian Eno a member, old sourpuss. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I would consider Adrian Ballou more than Brian Eno, but like yeah, then he went back to sense. King Crimson. So. What about Steve Scales? Do we how do we how do you do you feel about him? Oh, oh I love mean, Steve oh, Scales. You, oh, you mean the best part of the movie? He he's the he's the guy on the other guitar doing high fives with, with David Byrne. No, no, no. That wasn't Steve Scales. Steve oh, I thought Scales, that was Steve Scales. Steve Scales was the percussionist, and he is just having the most fun of anyone in American history. I don't know. I think the backup singers are having the best time jazzercising. Cause I, I mean, or fair. yeah. And then David Byrne joins in and I'm like, how, how are you, how are you da- doing this? David Byrne choreographed this whole movie. Like all of the dancing was choreographed by David Byrne. And the way he did it is he took his little video camera and he would record himself doing it. And then he'd be like, um, if it's not too much trouble guys, could you like do what I did? Like from every, all the stories I hear about David Byrne is, yeah, he's a little weird and out there, but he's like the sweetest man. He seems like a little weirdo because I I saw him on SNL doing with the Mulaney. with yeah. Mulaney doing that um, airport sushi bit that that's yeah where, yeah where he is the air traffic controller who threw everyone's luggage in the Hudson, which is based on a true story. Yes, uh, I mean also that that's one of the pre, like right as COVID is about to like shut everything down episodes. So it was a weird one to begin with, but like that sketch was wild. And then they end on a David Byrne and a David Byrne song. <laughs> yeah. Road to nowhere. And <laughs> David Byrne apparently was one of the people when Melanie was getting help and getting better. He like checked in on them and was like, are you doing okay? That is sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's very, that's very nice. Oh, he's such a little weirdo. I love him. <laughs> I mean, he was in Sack Lunch Bunch. He was. You're with right. With puppy suit. Yeah. It, I don't think we talked about it on that episode, but that wasn't supposed to be David Byrne. That was supposed to be Stevie Nicks. <laughs> and she, and she's like, um, I already wrote a song like this. I don't I don't like parodies. So David oh. Byrne was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it, my new best friend. Yeah. I will do the song. <laughs> I mean... In this movie, he looks great. Like, young David Byrne was a snack. He kind of looks like Cillian Murphy. A little Killian bit. Murphy? Cillian. Cillian Murphy? Cillian Murphy. A little a little bit. You know, he's got the that thin face, that part that... I mean, I know of him now with the shocking white hair and everything. Yeah, he kind of looks like David Lynch. Yeah, but now to see him, obviously, 40 years younger with, like, black hair and looking the same basically looking the same but like obviously younger like he yes (laughs) how much do you think that that was hair product and how much of it was sweat that was making his hair wet 
I mean, there was one shot of him when he's just wearing his shirt that you just see all the sweat in the back. And God damn him, that must have been one of the hardest weeks of his life. Forget the Broadway run. Like doing the doing this running in place choreography that he that he created. Like bless his I heart. Just, I just picture everyone being like, Oh my god, this was so hard and him being like, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought it was a hoot. And then him like when everyone's when no one's around him being like, Oh my god. <laughs> I agree. That was a hard time. <laughs> um let me what did I write? I don't even know what I wrote down anymore. Uh oh yeah, well, I wrote down why is the drummer in a teal polo, which we answered. Um because oh, he's a douchebag. He's a because he's Chris Farts. So this is called Stop Making Sense because of a lyric. Oh, okay, okay, hang on. Just just one second. Cause okay. I just discovered this from having the Stop Making Sense uh Wikipedia page up. Uh Chris France's full name is Charton Christopher France. Shut up. Charton. Of course he, of course he is a douchebag. <laughs> I just picture him like Muffy, darling. <laughs> well, do that now with a Kentucky accent. Because he was born in Kentucky. Muffy, darling. <laughs> little, little southern southern sweetness. I, I, I do declare. But so okay, so stop making sense is a lyric from mm-hmm. one of the songs but from girlfriend is better girlfriend is better yeah and this was just the concert in LA it wasn't a tour or anything that they were doing nope i just don't understand why they chose that line as a as a as the title because, because i believe... that was the one that i liked <laughs> i cuz i think the studio wanted cuz as as you know, A twenty four ended up buying the rights to this, yes, because United Artists was the original distributor. And uh, uh, remember those that company? <laughs> yeah, know who owns it now? I don't. Tom actually. Cruise. Oh, okay. Well, remember that company? <laughs> but yeah, so they they're like, why don't we call it Once in a Lifetime? Because this concert will be Once in a Lifetime. And David Burns like. No, I I don't like that. And Jonathan Demers like whatever he wants. I don't care. Well, I'm surprised that they didn't do speaking that, in that tongues. That is not the title that I wanted. Well, I also think that because speaking in tongues was already an album, they wanted it so that they could have another album. At, at least "Girlfriend Is Better" is one of the songs in that on um, the yeah um, speaking in tongues album. Yeah. So that's it, it. Would be weird if they called it Ezimbra. <laughs> And then cut it. <laughs> Stop making sense. Just it. It feels like it fits. It does. I, I mean, it. If you just accept it for what is happening, you're like, yes, yes, you're gonna start the show with David Byrne and a acoustic guitar and a, a boombox singing "Psycho Killer." Yes. <laughs> yeah, it had to be their most famous song. Like. Well, that and uh, Burning Down the House are a couple of songs that are not on the Speaking in Tongues album. Yeah, those, right? those yeah. are on their original album. Yeah, because Burning Down the House was... Um, Burning Down the House is on Speaking in Tongues. Yeah, Burn. Yeah. Is it? Oh, I didn't re- I didn't see it real quick. Stop. Psycho you, Killer. Thinking... Oh, the first song. The first song. Great, John. We're doing great, everyone. Psycho Killer is off of uh talking head 77 and burning down the house was was like the big song at the moment right the, yeah, the, the big newer song i should say because people still know, knew psycho killer as well as their other once in a lifetime once in a lifetime <laughs> which is that... you're like they they knew that song and um i am dd damn it <laughs> that one i also didn't know it was talking a talking head song and i always thought it was a 90s song because it sounds like the trippy alt rock of the 90s that was one of the first music videos to air on mtv once in a lifetime was right after the buggles yeah in that that entire first week oh that's a fun fact that nobody talks about that people should they really should 
Because it's a tangential, great music video. Tangential story related to the once in a lifetime video. I've definitely talked about this on other podcasts, but um, my grandparents live in Michigan. And one time they took us to this museum for like media that I guess was there. And one of the uh, exhibits they had was something showing you how a green screen worked. And as part of like the little sort of make it interactive thing, you could just like click on some buttons and then it would start playing a music video that you could just green screen yourself onto. And so you're like, like you're, you're making these movements on the green screen. So now you're showing up on the screen over here, just like how David Byrne did it in once in a lifetime. And my brother and I were like single digits by that point. So we would click it and then you just see like once in a lifetime or money for nothing by dire straits and just two little kids just wandering around going like <laughs> I want my LT. What the hell is going on here? Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Oh Uh-oh. god, he's wearing a puffy suit. <laughs> so is that puffy suit? Like was that a is that a staple of his or something or is that just for this concert? For this, and then it became his huge staple. Okay, so this is like the impetus of. Yeah, did you not did you not see that the suit even got a created by credit, and the designer? Yes, yeah, it did. I understand that he likes the earth tones, likes the mono like the monotone. Fuck off, Chris Farts, but. Uh, <laughs> I I get that because um, really like you should let the music talk for itself. Like you don't, I feel like that's what David Byrne was trying to get at. Yeah. Like, like this isn't like Beyonce, you know, where Beyonce needs the look and the songs for everything or Tay Tay or Tay or Tay Tay. Yes. But with the talking heads music and, and I mean, this whole concert, like you let it speak for itself. Right. Like one of my favorite bands is the Decemberists. If they did a concert film and they didn't come out in all muted colored suits, I'd be very upset. If they came out like in bright pastels, I'd be like, this is what the fuck? This isn't. Are are you guys doing a bit? It's not April 1st, guys. What is going on? What are you doing? You should either be in like black suits or or in plaid. That's the Decemberists I know and love. So, Scotty, we heard. I would like oh. to read real quick, speaking of the suit, this one section of the Wikipedia for Stop Making Sense. That just sounds hilarious out of context. Okay. On the DVD, he gives his reasoning behind the suit. I wanted my head to appear smaller. <laughs> so, Scotty, we heard from Lils about her favorite uh, album. Do you have a favorite Talking Heads album? Uh, um, I do love more songs about food. Um, speaking in tongues is great like i can't pick one but the first one i ever owned was remain in light which that that is that one what, is pretty great that one is really good that has once in a lifetime um but yeah i would say remain in light or 77 is probably those are my two favorites i'm looking i'm get... looking for rex at this point because i feel like i need to immerse myself into the world of talking heads after they literally have on spotify they have the entire box set that you can just put on shuffle oh perfect that's but this album is probably my favorite album of theirs because this this is where they actually sound like they're having the most fun and it and it is the actual audio it's not like they went to a studio and re-recorded it it this is yeah Mm mm-hmm and that I appreciate because, like, you can. I feel like I would be able to see the choreography that they did, you know, with the running in place. Because I don't think I ever like really put them as like a boppy band. Oh, like, they're they're so much fun. I don't know why I don't know the Talking Heads that much now that we're talking about it. I think I think it's because like you know David Byrne has like that rep of just being such an experimental avant garde kind of guy that that just sort of like rubbed off onto, you know, talking heads, especially Mm -hmm. since they were part of like the whole new wave movement and stuff like that. It's just a lot easier for people to, you know, just kind of like project that onto talking heads and just instead of, 
like if they don't know anything about you know the talking heads extended discography or anything like that yeah and this album literally is the greatest hits that it has all the great songs and now that Izimbra is is now included in the special edition which you're not going to be able to find it you're not going to because i i was looking for it in like every record store i went to they only printed a certain number of the re-releases of Stop Making Sense through H24, and now they're, like, all gone. Probably get them on eBay for $7,000. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the case. At this He's, at this rate. Isambra ended up being an American utopia, too, as I understand it. It did, yeah. And that's what they performed on um, SNL with Once in a Lifetime. Nice. Uh, but, um... Uh, where to, I don't know where else to go. Do, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Or you want to mention? Um, well, I mean, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, fucking Bernie Worrell from uh, Parliament Funkadelic plays keyboards Love on this. Bernie. And he rules. I feel like everyone but farts rules in this. Yes. yes. Kind of. Tina got her shit together. She was, but... a, she was a team player, it seemed like. I, now knowing the backstory of what, what what was going on, it seemed like okay. She at least was like, "All right, I'll play along. I'll wear the fu- I'll wear these funky outfits. I'll yeah. give. I'll sing my one song. Cool. I'll play all the instruments." Well, my husband sits there and does nothing in his freaking mm-hmm. teal polo shirt. I mean, in that light, it really does sort of seem like everyone's just like at the top of their game just like putting their all into it and chris and chris farts is just in the back just sort of being like yeah we're doing so great all of us together guys chris you didn't do anything we are all killing it as one god chris you didn't do shit <laughs> you wore the we... wrong color too chris we did it guys all of us together. I'm glad I choreographed everything and David was Byrne a, did nothing. This was a team effort. <laughs> Just has his arms around him like a team effort. Well, yeah, so there, whatever you say. There was a wardrobe person on here and I'm surprised that they didn't Chris, go. Chris, you, Christopher, you are hurting me. No, I'm not. The, no. I was, I'm, I'm very surprised the wardrobe person didn't be like, Chris, why are you wearing that? teal shirt maybe wear something different the wardrobe person was only for david byrne oh because he had all these suits that were made by famous people so that's so that's really just on them then for just assuming that chris farts wouldn't be a dick then they needed a wardrobe supervisor to be like chris farts do not Listen, we're we're all building the time machine, so let's go back in time and we'll fix this mistake. You're either you're either going out there in muted tones, or you're going out there naked. Do you want to be the weird guy? Or Lils is doing it. Figure it out. Lils is a drummer. That's true. I am a drummer. I just I was just going off of like your the your knowledge of Talking Heads that you were <laughs> just knew how to play the, the drums. That too. She could have replaced him. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't have just yammered on like an idiot during Genius of Love too. Yeah, everyone is time for the Tom Tom Club. Shut up. James Brown. Hey, hey, James Brown. I, I just did you see the look Bernie gave him? Because Bernie has played with James Brown. It's like, shut <laughs> up. Oh man. I need to rewatch this. This movie is the movie that uh, I will always put on when I want to fall asleep because, like, it always leaves me feeling good. I'm like, like, I'm like, I'm dissolving it's a, now. It's a comforting <laughs> presence. Yeah, basically, I, it it soothes me. It shuts off my brain, and it basically dissolves me into the iced tea that is Dreamland. I am happy that they made it a film instead of a documentary. Yeah, because I think it would have disrupted the flow of what was happening on on documentary now they did do this but they had to include documentary elements i mean i also was thinking of like spinal tap this is spinal tap during the whole thing because i was just like is this what what's going to happen like what the last waltz oh and also it made me think of purple rain 
uh especially just like the ending chunk of purple rain where it turned in where it actually turned into a concert <laughs> so it's like okay well i'm waiting for i will die for you now yeah the, the last the last waltz was directed by a real deal like the wasn't the last waltz directed by scorsese yeah martin scorsese made the last waltz. yeah and it, it was still a documentary well it's really weird because you don't picture martin scorsese being a fan of the band but you can definitely picture jonathan demi being a big talking heads fan oh absolutely yeah no question and if you didn't know that you can see through this that he at least respected them and paid attention to their music and everything to understand like shots and things like that he he understood like the best way to highlight talking head's strongest tendencies which is david Byrne Mm -hmm. and and those two backup singers (laughs) for this one concert lynn mabry and edna holt yep are they their backing vocals on everything else, or is it just for this? No, I think they, they are. To- they toured with them like for a while. I don't know. They're if, in the naive they, melody. They... This must be the place music video. Oh, nice. Did so. they like appear on any like other Talking Heads albums or up until '88? I think from Speaking in Tongues to their last album. Yeah, I think they're on there. Well, good for them. Yeah. Um. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into Sharp and Flat? Yeah, there's one scene where David Byrne flat out looks like Forrest Gump. <laughs> Which scene was that? I didn't clock it. It's when he runs back on stage and he's wearing the baseball hat. <laughs> yeah, that, okay. that kind of that stood out to me. <laughs> yeah, he made some choices and I'm just like, why are we accessorizing right now? D- I still don't understand what, the glasses. Why, why, why now of all time? This felt like the right time for the baseball hat. <laughs> okay, buddy. We're having I, PB&Js for lunch. I don't I, I don't get you, David. Few do. <laughs> but I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into Strap and Flat, shall we? Mm-hmm. Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. Um, let's start with flats, because I've been on this trend now, starting with flats. For me, I wrote down Chris Farts. Chris Farts. Chris yeah. Farts. And then my other, I have another flat, and it's my lack of knowledge of talking heads prior to this conversation. So mm. I flatted myself, basically. <laughs> Honestly, first? no, it's not the first time. It I won't be say, the last time either. <laughs> I would say my only flat is I kind of wish they never showed the audience. I know why they did it, but I wish they never showed the audience at the end. I don't think it was needed. It wasn't it, needed. Yeah, that's flat to me. Lils, do you have any other flats besides Chris Farts? I mean, I personally am disappointed that we didn't get to see you know, the three songs that were cut out, Cities, Ezimbra, and Big Business. Yeah, I don't know why they were cut out. I didn't... Uh, they I... weren't cut out on purpose. The film got ruined. That oh. real. Oh. Because I, I was like, it's not for time because it's only an hour and 20 minutes. Because if, la- if you watch it on the Laserdisc or the, the VHS, it doesn't look right. It looks like they tried and saved it. It, oh. it it's weird looking. It's like, oh, mm. th- okay. Right, That's a right. bummer. That's sad. Um, so for Sharps, I just wrote down the choreography to build up the set slash stage because yeah. And then how they thought about the camera is a sharp for me. Cause I we I done um Liza with a Z and there's a couple of times that I'm just like, you why why here why is the camera here but with this one it felt like a nice marriage of like um there is a story reason to be everywhere it was it reminded me of guild alive but then also the way that it was like moving along or showing like all of the people dancing instead of just david byrne dancing you know like it it had reasoning and I really liked that. Yeah. Once again, Gilda live. <laughs> uh, Scott, you're next with your sharps. So I love that once in a lifetime and then this must be the place or back to back. 
that's a sharp for me because those are two of my favorite uh talking head songs and then the performance of burning down the house is just freaking incredible uh lils how about you sharps um one major uh sharp for me uh i think i already kind of alluded to it pretty much every time steve scales was on screen he's doing something amazing and just looking like he's having the time of his life and his just head going back and forth and that's just absolutely infectious yeah the bobbing of the head of him just kind of just going and when he's just doing like when he's doing like those improvised sort of backing <laughs> vocals on swamp too uh what's an, what's another sharp i feel like i should say another one since you guys both said two i'm going to say like big sharp closing with cross-eyed and painless because mm. that song like i mean it was really good it was really good on uh you know remain in light but here it's just turned into this just enormous like explosion of a of a climax sort of thing and it's just and like right when it gets to that you know that dramatic part where, where they're just so still waiting over and over you just you just feel it i also love that uh david Byrne just runs out he's like good night everybody <laughs> he's like you fuckers can stick around <laughs> I have to go now. <laughs> Please do not follow me. <laughs> I'm so glad that David Byrne was able to join us for this recording today, by the way. Um, would you... I've been here the whole time. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, would you add any song, any of the songs to your life's playlist? Oh, yeah. Uh, I... all, all all, of them. I actually have on well, my... Not, not, not Genius of Love. The... No, not gen- Genius of Love, but I definitely have Naive Melody or This Must Be the Place. I have Once in a Lifetime and I have Heaven because Heaven is such a beautiful song. So I'm looking into buying one of these albums. I don't. Do I want to get the remastered one or the original? Because I think I, I would listen to I, after I watching the this, original. After watching this, I would listen to this album, this whole album, even Genius of Love. I'll listen to it. Oh, don't, I mean, don't get me don't get me wrong. Genius of Love is a pretty good song, like on its own. Just outside of this, here, yes. Here, and Mariah you, Carey, Mar- Mariah Carey did steal it for fantasy. She did. Not just Mariah Carey, but Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. And um, oh, who just did it for uh, um, was the song? Was it BDE? Oh my God! Okay, so I'm on the oh. iTunes remastered album guess which song is the most popular off of this album genius love nope oh what is it cities weird weird. surprisingly and then uh once in a lifetime is the second most popular one but but cities is the one that has all the bars highlighted and i was Uh like wow Weird. I mean, that's a great song. People love it. And you guys just kind of witnessed me buying it. So congratulations. Mm. I now go to listen to this album. Um, and on that note, oh, Scott, quick, si- quick, si- quick side note. Not oh, to, quick like, side note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Step on you. But like, since we were talking to Genius of Love, holy crap, this song has been sampled by a lot of stuff, including one of my favorite 90s songs, Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. Wow. Weird. Yeah. What's the one that I was I, thinking of, Lils? The one that just I came know. out. I don't. I don't see any. I'm not. I'm not sure what song you're talking about. So I couldn't. The, the line really is. Say. The line is. I can be your fantasy. You got that BD energy. I. I have I, no idea what this is. I don't know what the song is. Oh now. wait, is it Big Energy by Lato? That's what it is. Yep. Okay. Or is it Lato? I think it's Lato. I don't know. This. This was. It's Lato. Why would you this, do that, Annie? This one was just the most recent one that was listed on the thing. Yeah, it's but, Lotto. But yeah, like Public Enemy, PM Dawn, Warren G, Paramore. <laughs> wow. So weird. I feel like I've I mean, heard it in a movie, Genius of Love. It was in a have. commercial a while ago. It was Trying in a to... cell phone commercial. That's probably why. Wow. Other artists incorporated Genius of Love into the work, including Public Enemies. Leave this off your fucking charts. That's literally from the Wikipedia page. Yep. I know. I'm uh, long. So weird. Wow. 
Uh, and on that note, everyone, we are done with the episode. We made sense of stop making sense. I had to. I had to. I don't had do to. that. Don't I'm, don't do that. <laughs> I'm keeping it in though. So, um, but Scott and Lils, what do you have to plug or promote? I mean, we have a podcast called Hell is a Musical, and uh, Lils is one of my best friends in the world, and I thought that I would torture her by making her watch musicals because she is not a musical fan. That is correct. But I do pick some good ones for her. That is also correct. Will you two do I, this? Eventually. <laughs> you know, like I, a, a I, year I mean, after I, this I episode. Don't, I don't need an excuse to do that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just did it for your podcast, so for her to pick it for her birthday pick would be a little on the on nose. the nose. What if you picked it for your birthday pick, Scott? I don't get a birthday pick. We always plan for me to have one, and then something happens, and we have to do something else. Oh, so well, one day I've been waiting to do um either Scott Pilgrim or Pop Star for a very long time. Those are two very different movies. <laughs> But they're two musicals. Two musicals. Kind of. Kind of? Huh. Popstar definitely is a musical. We, we, re- we really stretch the definition of musical. I mean, that. I also stretch the definition of musical as well on here. I did. Like we've, uh, like we've done A Mighty Wind. We've done Walk Hard. Well, Swiss Army Man is an episode. Oh, wow. Huh. That That's stretching it. But but A Mighty Wind, there's flat out a concert at the very end. And... um. And at least it's Walk about hard. music. Walk Hard is definitely a musical. Like, like this one is, I wouldn't call this one a musical, but it's at least all music. Right. So, um, but I know you two have side projects, side podcasts. What else, What do you, what, what are they for the, for the listeners? Um, I currently do not have a side project like podcast, but if you want to see me, bloviating about music and random albums and stuff uh check out instagram.com slash 365 records in 2023 i've basically just sort of set a challenge for myself to listen to an album for every day of the year and uh, write a little bit about it for this month i'm doing all spooky albums like i just did uh opus eponymous by ghost yesterday and after we're off tonight i plan on doing uh new flesh by priest uh this will be out actually at the beginning of November. So what do you have a theme for that? Nope. Okay. Yeah, all turkey music. Gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> Should, you'll be doing the the album to the Thanksgiving movie? The Thanksgiving soundtrack? Oh, hard Charlie yes. Brown Thanksgiving. Yes. The Thanksgiving <laughs> movie that we all know of. Eli Roth's Thanksgiving, I believe, is what John is talking about. It's a horror movie, with, yeah. We're all familiar with the Thanksgiving movie, the movie after yeah. all. <laughs> um, I have another podcast called Writer's Bagel Basket. It's like the Christmas movie, except Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, Writer's Bagel Basket, you can find us anywhere. And when Scary Met Stabby um, has just ended, we, we finished this season. We double booked people. Sorry, Johnny, we had to bump you. <laughs> I know it happens. It's okay. Wasn't my time. You'll eventually have your time. Um, but yeah, so so we're already gonna start recording for next year, starting in January. So yeah. Oh nice. Um, and if you I don't know, usually I ask people questions, but like this is pretty straightforward. If if you love also Stop Making Sense, I'd love to hear about it. You can email me at butasongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at butasongpod. Um I know that Scott and Lils talked about their favorite Talking Heads album. So what was yours? I'd love to also hear about that. And if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, well, we're going to be talking about Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. That's a weird one. Yeah, it is. Somebody picked it. Do you also <laughs> think Chris Farts is a dickhead? Oh, do yeah, you think that's... Chris Farts is a dickhead? Yes. Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe I'll put that in the Instagram story. Do you think Chris Farts is a dickhead? Um, anyway, Scott, thank and you. And tag coming... him. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much for coming back. Lils, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Um, I won't torture you by making you watch like a musical movie if you want to come back on. <laughs> I, can... I wouldn't be averse. Okay. 
Oh, you oh. heard her. She said I wouldn't be averse, so you can make her watch a musical movie. Oh, Usually, man. whenever whenever that, it's my that, my time to how, pick something, that's how Scott got me last time. <laughs> now look, this is like a Mister Mixel pick situation. You just said your name backwards. Uh, well, thank you everyone for listening, and bye for now. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.